Holy and gracious Father, we give you thanks, O Lord, for this day that we can come together. A time, Father, to uh, set our minds and our hearts upon you. We pray, Father, that every day of our lives we would continue to grow in your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would be focused more and more on the one who came, uh, was born in Bethlehem, and Father, who lived and taught us and gave us an example of, of righteous living, and Father, died on that cross, rose from the grave, and is coming again. Father, we pray this day that we would uh, share in this holiday, uh, uh, the spirit of this holiday, by looking out around us and seeing people who are in need, seeing those, Father, who are struggling with, with grief and loneliness, and offering ourselves, Father, as, as, as ambassadors of your Son, Jesus Christ, bringing light where there is darkness. Father, we pray this day, uh, especially a prayer of thanks, that uh, in Jesus Christ, God is with us. We, na- we need never fear we need not worry again about what is, is coming ahead of us because we know, Father, that all things have been answered in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, he is uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the, and the end, the first and the last, and he does not change. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so we pray, Father, uh, that somehow uh, in these minds that are so uh, uh, crowded with so many thoughts and emotions, that, Father, we would uh, uh, have the space there for your Spirit to remind us that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord and that every day we would strive to follow him more. Father, we pray all of this in his precious name and we ask the leading of your Spirit uh, this morning as we worship you. And amen. Our scripture this morning is John 1, 1 through 14. Christ comes to the world. Before the world began, the Word was here. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there with God in the beginning. Everything was made through him, and nothing was made without him. In him there was life, and the life was a light for the people of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not defeated it. There was a man named John who was sent by God. He came to tell people about the light. Through him, all people could hear about the light and believe. John was not the light, but he came to tell people about the light. The true light was coming into the world. This is the true light that gives life to all people. The word was already in the world. The world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to the world that was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But some people did accept him. They believed in him, and he gave them the right to become children of God. They became God's children, but not in the way babies are usually born. It was not because of any human desire or plan. They were born from God himself. The word became a man and lived among us. We saw his divine greatness and the greatness that belongs to the only son of the father. The word was full of grace and truth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you for that reading. Uh, I'm going to be uh, really focusing more on the Matthew text from our Advent reading this morning. But the John chapter 1 text is such an important text and one of my favorite 
text in all the Bible because it really lays out for us the full import of who Jesus Christ was. He was from the beginning. He is the living Word of God. He is the light that shines among us. And yet, it says, we rejected Him. How could we do that? How could we take the one who was from the beginning in creation that all things were created through, how could we reject Him? That shows the depth of the sin problem in the world. I think sometimes people want to minimize that some. And I, and, and I hear if you emphasize it too much, well, then you're a dour old preacher and you, you know, we don't want to hear that stuff. You know, we, want, we want positive thinking. We want, we want you to talk about the world as a good place. And you know, there is a lot of good in the world, but I, I believe all the good that is in the world is only because it's, it's, it's good that has been brought there by God, by His light. We cannot manufacture good as fallen human beings. But the good that is here is a blessing that comes from God. And, and Joseph and Mary in our Matthew text are faced with the situation. Uh, Matthew emphasizes Joseph in his account. Luke emphasizes uh, Mary. But in, in this account, uh, Joseph is, fi- is faced with a, a situation that was not unheard of. He was engaged to a young woman and found out that she was with child. She was pregnant. And the law had a, had a uh, consequence for that. If Mary was pregnant before her marriage, and especially outside of her, her engaged relationship with Joseph, it was entirely possible that she could be stoned to death. There was a death penalty on this. And so the scripture tells us that Joseph was a man both of the law and apparently a man of mercy and grace. And so his plan was he was going to quietly break off the engagement. Not to make a big public spectacle. He could have marched out into the middle of any village and proclaimed, this woman, Mary, has betrayed me. She is unfaithful. She is a sinner. And the full consequences of the law should be brought down upon her. He could have done that if he had been that kind of man. But obviously God chose Mary and Joseph for a reason. And then the angel comes and says to Joseph, hang on a minute. This woman is with child by the Holy Spirit. This is a miraculous event. This has nothing to do with her being unfaithful. In fact, we know that Mary was described as this, uh, as this young woman of of almost perfect virtue. And so Joseph listened to the angel and he took Mary to be his wife. Now if you think about it for a moment, that did not undo the gossipers. It did not stop the rumors from going around. People could count back then. They knew how long a pregnancy was. And so he knew that he was going to be talked about. And uh, they may have said, well, it's Joseph's baby, but they, you know, they got together a little bit early here. But they knew. They knew the truth. And their faith was going to carry them through it. You know, I was thinking this week as I was reading that text, my emphasis is really going to be on this God with us, Emmanuel, what it means that God was with us. But I thought sometimes in my life, my prayers to God kind of go like, smooth the way for me, God. Take away all the problems. Make tomorrow a good day. I I, I just want peace in the valley. 
you know? Just do that for me, Lord. But then when I look at stories in the Scriptures, it seems like, as in this case, that God sometimes chooses the tough way, the hard way. There must have been some other way to bring His Son into the world than to bring Him in through a young woman who isn't married yet. Right there, you're setting up some trouble. It, must, it should have been easier for Jesus to pick uh, you know, college graduates for disciples and to, to get illiterate fishermen to be his disciples and so forth. It, it might have been better for Joseph and Mary and, and their feeling about themselves if he had gotten some better people than shepherds to come. I mean, can you imagine Mary? She wants a shower with her friends. You know, my mom, when she got married, we've got the clippings from the Nashville Tennessean. My mom was from a poor farmer family. She had her toes, thank God for shoes, her toes had been broken over and over on the rocks running around on her farm as a kid. And uh, she, but when you look at the Nashville Tennessean articles about her engagement uh, to Master Sergeant Weeks, when you look at that, you would think that she was from royal blood. The big pictures and the dress and the whole thing. And they had, oh, I, I wish I'd brought one of those to read to you. It was quite something back in the 40s, the way they did up weddings. And, uh, you know, she was having all kinds of showers and things. And they were having all kinds of fluffy little desserts and whatever. And they described every bit of it. Mary may have wanted that, but instead God says, hey, we'll have a party, but it's going to be with shepherds going to be with shepherds. And they smell bad. God, God may have said, we could get you a better, better accommodation and a place to lay the king of the world's head other than a, a, a manger. I mean, just think about this. As I was thinking this week, maybe all these prayers where I'm asking God to make it easy for me, maybe those are misdirected. God, give me the right path no matter how hard the path may be, because it's actually the hard paths in our lives that often lead to us being better disciples of Jesus Christ. We've had to go through some hard places in life. God with us. So I scan the Bible. I like to do this anytime I'm preaching. I'd like to look at Genesis to Revelation to see where does this, where does this show up? Where does this idea that we're going to be talking about show up? And when I looked at God with us, I said, well, in the beginning, Adam and Eve were in the garden and they walked with God. They were with God in community. God Himself, even before the Garden of Eden, before creation, was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a community of three. And it seems that the main, uh, the main consequence of Adam and Eve's rebellion against God was the loss of community. They are driven from the garden. They can no longer be in God's presence. They've lost that community. God, when He created Adam and looked at Adam and said, well, it's not good that the man should be be alone. I want to make somebody for him to keep him company. Community. And there was a loss of that. And we see that today in our fallen world. You know, half of all of those married relationships end up in divorce. Because in our brokenness, apart from God, 
we can't find our way back to true community. Even within uh, churches, believe it or not, you may not know this, but there are churches where they don't do community well. Where they divide, they fight, they scratch and claw. Where sin enters in. And even, believe it or not, sometimes in the family gatherings around Thanksgiving or Christmas, there are problems. I know it's not in your family. You know, I, I, it's not in mine, but I'm going to just share it with you a little bit so you know what it can be like when you have broken community where God loses the centerpiece, that center place in our, in our, in our lives. Uh, well, let me first describe to you our family. When we get together for Thanksgiving, it goes like this. We all sit around the table with all the food and we tell really heart-rending, heart-touching stories about how thankful we are for each other. And this goes on a long time because there's no end to how thankful we are for each other. And so by the time we're done with that, all the food is cold and needs to be reheated. But we continue to sit around and talk about how thankful we are. And eventually we eat. And when we're done, the men say, you know what? I think there's a football game on, but we'd much rather sit here and talk about how thankful we are with our wives and daughters. Is that okay if we do that? Yeah. This is how it goes in my house. you know. And then when it's all over, all the men get up and clean the, the table off and clean the dishes and do everything. They vacuum. They do everything because we love our wives so much and so thankful for them, we do anything for them. It's not usually the way it goes, right? In fact, I've seen Thanksgivings where we've had the seeds of divorce, you know, right there. Whoops, ESPN's calling me. Yeah, the whole thing about not watching the football games, you can see right there. That's kind of funny. I just tell that and then an ESPN thing comes on. Okay, let me. I still had everything on. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'll tell you a story. I'll, I'll leave the characters. This is a family story that, uh, and I, I won't say who, who this all involved. But we had a vegetarian. We, we had a vegetarian in this family, somebody's family, and their husband gave a little meat, turkey meat, to the son, the little boy. And when the vegetarian found out that her husband had slipped some meat to the little boy without talking to her about it first, things blew up. Okay. I don't want to go on about this because I could go on about this all morning about the problems that families have in the relationships and community, but it doesn't take you very long to figure out that there's a problem with community in the world and that the whole idea of Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem and going to that cross for us was to reestablish the community that we had with God in the garden to get us back there to that place where we had true and loving community. And the point of the church, I believe, when Jesus established the church was to be a family of God that would reflect to the world and show to the world an example of this is how we should live together. This is how we should be in community. This is what it looks like when God is living in people's hearts and God is with us. To be that living community of love. 
But sadly, that doesn't always happen. Now, it's not to say that there aren't places where that light isn't shining. There aren't hearts where it's shining. And I like to think that here, this is one of the healthier examples of church that I've been part of that is fulfilling that command of God to go out and show the world what the kingdom is really like. Behold how they love one another, as the ancients would say about the church. That was the compelling thing about the church to many of the people in ancient civilizations was that the church was a place where they loved each other in a way that they didn't see exemplified anywhere else in the world. That was what pulled them to the church was the fact it was a community of love. So when Jesus comes to be God with us and you ask the question, why did Jesus have to come into this world? Why did God have to come into the world at all? Why did he have to come in the flesh? It was because in that baby Jesus, all the love of God, if we look closely, all the love of God is right there, wrapped up, the whole message of who he is. A God who would come into the world, not because he was forced, but of his own volition, to offer himself as a sacrifice for the very people who were rebelling against him, who in the end would stand there and cry out, kill him, crucify him. And yet he knew all that was coming, and he was still willing to come and place himself in that vulnerable spot as a baby in a manger. And right off from the beginning, a king, King Herod, plotted to kill him. And it would have all the two-year-olds in the region around Bethlehem massacred. God was willing to come into this world and place himself at our mercy. And our mercy is fleeting. It doesn't amount to much. And we killed him. And yet still, God came. Because God knew that this Christ child could not be beaten. Not by our hate. Not by our ingratitude. Not by our crosses. Not by our graves. Could not be beaten. And in the end, he defeated death. And in that defeat of death, in that victory, is our victory. The people who did not deserve it. That's what we mean by grace. That we're saved by God's grace because God didn't have to do any of this for us. And we didn't do anything to deserve it. And yet still God longed to get back to the garden and the community that he had in the beginning. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing story. We get all down into the little details of Scripture and and just, you know, microscopically trying to examine God's will for us and all too. But the story is really, God loved us. He longs for us to return to Him and to be in a community with Him. And everything else that happens in our lives, all the fractured relationships, all the lack of community, is they're just, they're just examples for us to see how bad we need it how badly we need that relationship with God because our relationships in this world aren't working very well. I'm going to wrap up a little bit here with, uh, with a couple of things. Um, I know what it is to be lonely in a crowd. There were times, my, my, my children laughed at me one time because I, we were talking and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really... Uh, uh, not a person who is very comfortable with being out front. 
no, I was a preacher at the time, and they're like, you know, or being, you know, I, I kind of. There are times when I want to be alone. I want to be like Jesus and go away and pray, uh, and 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 not have people around me. I long for that, and uh, you know, at the same time, I know I need community. But I wondered this week. I wondered why is it that I like these times of loneliness? And it's because sometimes community is painful. Sometimes being around people is painful. And part of that's my fault because I think we all to some degree, we want to be the center of attention. We all want to have people listen to us or hear us. And there are situations I get into where I feel like nobody there really cares for me. I'd rather be alone than be with the crowd. Do you ever feel that way? You ever have those times? Here's what the Bible promises us. It's not left to just the people around us. Over and over in scriptures, from the Old Testament through the New Testament, we are told God is with us. The 23rd Psalm would be the easiest thing to go to. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God is with us in the darkest valleys. Over and over, we are told that we can trust the Lord, that He is with us. When Israel goes through the wilderness, is God with them? They may have feared that He wasn't. But as a gift, He gave them fire by night, a a pillar of fire in there during the day, a a pillar of cloud to say, don't forget, I am with you. And And I'm afraid too often, we forget these scriptures that reassure us that God is with us. And we begin to think that we're on our own. And we're traveling this life on our own and that God isn't here with us and He isn't carrying us and He doesn't care about us. But I know that isn't true. Jesus, Jesus, how I love Him. How I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, oh for faith to love Him more. Jesus has proved Himself to me over and over. My prayer for you is that you would give Him the chance to do that for you. May your Christmas present this year be the gift of knowing that Christ has offered Himself to you, to live in you, for His Spirit to lead you and comfort you and guide you through life, and that nothing can defeat you when you are part of His community. And amen. We're going to sing our song of invitation this morning, and uh, this song, as we... As we sing it, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it's a good Methodist song. (laughs) Charles Wesley of the Wesley Brothers uh, wrote this song. And uh, I just said, hymn of invitation. I think in in your bulletins it says, hymn of discipleship. I grew up in a church where every Sunday the pastor, it wasn't Methodist, it wasn't Baptist, but it was was, uh, to the right of the Baptists, let me say. And every Sunday the pastor or preacher, we didn't really call him pastor, we called him uh, the, the preacher. The preacher would uh, uh, offer an invitation at the end. It was usually pretty much the same thing. He says, I invite you this morning to come forward. If you would like to confess your faith in Jesus Christ, if you would like to come and repent of your sins this morning, if you would like to be baptized into Jesus Christ, 
And people, when they came forward for baptism, were baptized immediately. You were taken right up. I remember I was 10 years old. They took you right up and, uh, and, and baptized you. And every Sunday, they would have that invitation. And it led to some interesting things. It led to people sometimes going forward to repent of their sins. You could go forward if you had done something wrong during the week that you really wanted to repent of, and you would tell the preacher. And the preacher would get up and say, well, Sister Weeks has come forward this morning to confess that she beat her son Bobby. No, no, that never happened. That never happened. But I remember one time my parents went forward. They went to the movie Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice. Anybody know that movie from way back? You know, it was quite the risque movie. They went to it. And when they got there, they saw the other elders and their wives from the church at the same movie. So they went forward. But the other elders did not, which led to them saying, why didn't the other elders go forward? We went forward. They didn't go forward. And then I had an almost parallel experience when I was in college, when I was a freshman at the University of Richmond. I was going to a church. And one Saturday evening, I took the youth group to a movie. Now, my daughter will tell you, because of the movies I let her, my grandchildren watch with me when they're around, that I'm not the best chooser of movies. But we watched the movie, and there really was nothing wrong with the movie. Nothing at all. But when I went forward, not for that, but for something else, the whole youth group came forward thinking I was coming forward because we had gone to this movie. So it was very interesting, all the dynamics of doing that. And so we don't regularly do an invitation here saying to people, you know, come forward if you want to repent of your sins and be baptized. But that invitation is always open, folks. Uh, there's always that opportunity to, to come to restore a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, if you haven't been baptized, to seek uh, baptism and to, and to understand what that means. And I want you to know that as we uh, sing this morning, that God is always inviting you to come back into his community. And, and I pray this morning that uh, uh, he's speaking to your heart and you're accepting that invitation to be part of his family. Amen. But uh, may you have a blessed Christmas. If I do not see you again, may God uh, create for you in your heart a place for the, for the King of the world to be born this Christmas day. And may the new year ahead uh, be a year of great blessing to you. Go in his peace. Amen.